Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, it's good to be here this morning. And if you're new to church, we just want to say again a big thank you for coming along today. And whether it's just one Sunday or whether you're looking for a new church home, we just want to say we pray you're blessed and you just have a really great time. And most of all, you encounter the love of God. We believe that God loves us and that He uh, has a plan and a purpose for every person. And today we're going to speak a bit more about that. Um, As you can see, these curtains are closed. um, And it's because they're going to be setting up the Easter egg hunt during the service. And some of you adults, I know that you'll be watching. You'll be thinking that I can see where you're going. Um, Please don't push aside the kids too forcefully as you were trying to find the eggs. Um, But that's okay. Um, what are we going to do? Hey, let's start with, where's, where's Troy Spencer? Hey, Troy, come up here. Come up here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What's your middle name, Troy? Which one? Whoa. How many do you have? What are they? Jason Colmenaris. Colmenaris. <laughs> Hello. Okay. Um, learned something new today. That's good. Um, I just wanted to take a moment. This month in church, we're launching a, a theme um, around celebrating uh, pillars in the house of God. And a pillar, uh, if you don't know, you probably do know, but it's one of these types of beams, these types of uh, brickwork that hold the roof up. And it's actually a really precious thing when people um, have a longevity uh, pillars in the house of God. And for Troy, I wanted to take a moment today just to honour Troy, because I don't know if you know this, but Troy has done 14 years of youth ministry. 14 years. Yeah. Um, I remember when Troy first came to youth many years ago. Oh, by the way, not just youth ministry, youth ministry leadership. So that's, yeah, that's it. I should have said that. That's, a, that's the amazing thing. Um, I remember when Troy first came to our church. How many years ago was that? Uh, uh, probably about 14 years ago. Okay, so you're a leader straight away. We just bring him in. Hey, you can run youth now. Um, <laughs> I remember I was on the phone to somebody over past the classrooms because I'm on the phone often I'll pace around and they said oh Troy this guy called Troy has just moved down from Sydney and he's just uh, given his heart to God and I really feel like and this person on the phone said I really feel like there's something special on his life like there's something different on his life and I remember saying to the person oh let's just wait and see how he goes Um, which I'm not too proud about but I, I was like yeah let's just see how he goes Um, And you know what? Troy has just been such a great uh, example of um, stability and honour. And Troy, every week, comes out on a Friday and ministers to our young people. I don't know how much abuse you've put up with over the years. I don't know how much, uh, all the stories you would have. 
But basically, he's just been such a, a standout when it comes to just faithfulness and consistency. So today, we just um, it's hard to explain work with words how much I just want to honour you and Charlie. We just want to honour you. And we just recognise just the sacrifice and the heart and the longevity of just ministering to the next generation. And so, bro, we honour you. We, we love you. We just want to say... Um, it's a privilege to have you in our lives and to have you in our church family. Um, and yeah, I just can't wait to see your reward in heaven, that what God's just going to bestow upon you. Um, and, and hey, it's the end of a season of Troy doing youth ministry, but who knows what his next ministry could be. I'm hearing rumours of um, Celebration Women, maybe. I don't, don't know, but uh, it's... <laughs> no, joking, joking. Um, but no, he, he will find his next, next thing. And, and, uh, but we, we just wanted to give you this. It's just a little gift from us just to say thank you. Um, why don't we all stand to our feet? And let's just honour Troy. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Thanks, man. We love you so much. Awesome. You're going to sit down. <laughs> okay. So throughout this month, we're going to be doing a little bit more of that. You're going to be seeing different people up here. You're going to be different pillars in the house. We just want to take time to honour and, and celebrate. Um, I'm going to try and start with something a bit light. Um, if you're new here, just bear with me. It just doesn't reflect in the greater... I don't know. Anyway, here we go. Which animal on Noah's Ark had the highest level of intelligence? A giraffe. Thank you, Ryan. Why did Noah have to punish and discipline the chickens on the ark? Because of their foul language. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. That's, yeah. Yeah. We're not, we're not done yet. We're not done yet. If you're new here, I try and start with something light. Couldn't find much this week, as you can tell. So let's, let's continue. How do we know the horses aboard the ark were pessimistic? They said nay to everything. Oh, I know. Terrible. Um, which animals were the last to leave the ark? The elephants, because it took so much time to pack their trunks. Yeah, terrible. Oh, I feel so demeaned when I share these jokes. Maybe I should stop it. Anyway. <laughs> God help us. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for Easter Sunday, that we can celebrate the resurrection. We can celebrate the victory of Christ. Lord, I pray today that your Holy Spirit would be here in power. I pray today that if there are people in this place or listening online who are in a place where they just need a breakthrough, who need a fresh encounter with you, I pray they would encounter your love today. Lord, we just commit this service to you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Today I want to speak for a couple of minutes about the joy of sonship. The joy of sonship. Today I get to celebrate with our family my son's first birthday. It's his birthday on Tuesday. And we're doing a family barbecue. Uh, I've got the sausages lined up, the kebabs, the cattleman's steak. I know, apparently that's a good cut of steak. I don't really know. Joey, is that? Yeah. Okay, yep, sweet. Resident butcher over here. If you want good meat, see Joey. 
got it all lined up, ready to go today to celebrate my son. And uh, it's going to be a good day. And if you're in our church regularly, you, you often hear me gloating about my son. I love being a dad. He's our firstborn. Um, and every day we just learn something new about him. And he's just such a joy. Um, and I've just noticed that I've really grown in my revelation of the father through having a son. I've realised that there are some things that I had maybe not the greatest revelation on when it came to the father in me because of how much I love my son. For example, and you've heard me maybe say this, I don't love my son for what he does. I love him for who he is. And when he does the worst poopy nappy that somehow gets on his legs and back and other areas, and I have to somehow change him without getting it on me or anybody else, including him, and he wants to decide to have a little dance and kick around. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. It doesn't make me think, I don't love you, son. Any, I love you less now because you disgust me. I don't think like that. If anything, my love increases for him because every day I find my love for him increasing. Every little quirk he has, even his cry, I find that there's part of me that I'm like, that's my son. It's, I don't like it when he cries, by the way, but there's something about, I know my son's cry. If he was crying in this room and there was other kids crying, I'm pretty sure I could tell you who my son was. And then I compare that to our Heavenly Father and I compare that to how He views me. When I, in life, make mistakes, when I, excuse the term, but when I have a poopy nappy in life, when I sin, when I fall short, when I make mistakes, when I hurt people, when I don't live my best life, He still loves me. And we live in this culture where we get our value so much from what we do that when we do things that aren't right, we take that and we go, God, you must not love me as much. So often in life, you meet somebody and you say to them, hey, how are you going? What do you do? Yeah. We're defined by what we do often. But when it comes to God, we have to remember this. And I pray the Holy Spirit gives everybody a revelation on this, whether you've been in church for 30 years or whether you've, you're brand new, that it isn't what you do that determines your worth. It's who you are in God. Let that sink in. Even on your worst day, the Father loves you. Even when you make mistakes, even when there is shame that tries to cover you, your heavenly Father loves you more than your mistakes. I think if you're a Christian here, you can go, yeah, I know that. That's, that was in the New Christian course. I know. But do you know it? How's your self-esteem going today? How's your self-talk going today? Do you look in the mirror and say, you are awesome? 
Do you look in the mirror and say, you are one fine specimen? Or do we look in the mirror and say, I know my faults. I know what I'm not so good at. I know what the teacher spoke over me when I was a kid or my parents said to me or what my, my spouse said to me or whatever it might be. And we have this, this value system that starts getting messed up because we forget that we're actually enough as sons and daughters of God and we actually start to slide into this thing of being slaves. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 14. You've come on a good Sunday. This message is going to really, really bless your heart. If you open your heart, this will do something that will change the rest of your life. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says this. It says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Now, today when you hear me say son, I'm talking about son and daughter. So don't think I was just talking about the boys. I'm talking about both. Children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you, are, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, which actually means Daddy, Father, Dad. The spirit himself testifies with our spirits that we are God's children. Now, if we are children then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. What a powerful piece of scripture. Did you hear what was said? The power that you now have access to the Father as dad God. I don't know what your relationship is like with your natural dad, whether it was unconventional, whether it was non-existent, or whether you had a great example, but your heavenly Father wants you to know that through Jesus and the resurrection, you come before him and say, not just Father God as a distant Father, but instead as a Daddy God. Let that sink in afresh. If me being a sinful dad loves my son the way I love him, how much more the perfect heavenly father? Okay, so Galatians chapter 4, why don't you turn there? Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 says this. It'll be up on the screen. It says, But when the set time has fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Holy Spirit, I pray we get this. Yeah. I pray yeah. our most senior leaders get it through to the new person. Yeah. I pray you break off any chains of condemnation or shame that today we understand that you are Father God, Dad God, a safe place, a refuge, a place of forgiveness in Jesus' name. So what happens is this, is that you find that often when you first become a Christian, and you might have seen this, a new Christian goes, I've just received God's love for the first time. 
they are so excited. They are so stoked. They are so... I've never known a love like this. I've never known a lightness like this. I've never known forgiveness like this. But sometimes what happens is over time, you find that some Christians you meet become a bit crabby. Yeah? A bit negative. A bit agenda-driven. A bit unforgiving. Sometimes a bit unkind. And what has happened is this, is that that person has gone from being... Uh, having a revelation of being a child of God, which is mind-blowing, to now being a slave. And today, for a few minutes, I want to speak about the mentality of sonship versus the mentality of a slave. The Bible tells us, I'll give you the scripture for those who are writing notes. In Romans chapter 6, verse 6, it says, that we are no longer enslaved to sin. Before you know Christ, you are a slave. Do you know that? You're a slave to sin. Your master is your sin. Through Christ Jesus, you are set free and your master becomes Christ Jesus and sin becomes under your feet. Why is it important that you become a Christian? Why is it important you live a life where you're free? Because you don't want to be a slave to anything. And the Bible tells us that we are slaves to sin, but through Christ and the resurrection, we are no longer slaves to sin, but instead we are set free. What does it say? For who the Son sets free is free indeed. Turn to your neighbour and say, I am free. Are you free? (laughs) So here's some things about slaveship versus sonship. When I, years ago, 2006, 2005, 2006, so quite a few years ago, I felt like God wanted me to go to Bible college. And if you don't know what Bible college is, it's a college where you learn about the Bible, basically. And I went, and I, I went to a Sydney college. And I remember my, my first, I went there for three years. Done my first year, done a second year. My third year was an internship up there as part of the church. Love college, still love it, still support it. In my heart, for the first year, it was like, I am so happy to be here. This is the best thing ever. This is the greatest experience. I'm meeting people from around the world. I'm learning about God. It's, it's just, this is the dream. By second year, because every, every week I was driving to Sydney. So every Monday I'd drive up to college and then every Friday I'd drive home from North Sydney and I would do youth ministry and do church. Then on Monday I'd get back in the car and drive up. After two years of that, it started getting a bit burdensome. And I got into my third year and my attitude had changed from having a joy in my heart when it came to college to having an attitude in my heart. I started getting negative to do with college and it wasn't college's fault, it was my heart. I had lost the joy of going up there as a privilege, as a son, and I had become, I'm going up there and 
I'm doing so much. I am, because I was running a lot. I was running a youth ministry here, which was going well. I was running a whole college, massive things, a lot up there. I was doing a lot. And I remember going, I feel like there's a lot on my plate. And that started with when someone asked me to be involved. Oh, that's amazing too. Oh, I don't really want to be involved because I feel like it's a burden now. Over the years in youth ministry, I've noticed this. You ask someone, hey, do you want to be a youth leader? And they go, yeah, amazing. It's the biggest privilege to get in leadership. And then what happens? Oh, I'd rather watch the footy on Friday. I don't, the kids are annoying me. I don't, I see it with church. Hey, do you want to be on the host team? Yeah, amazing. Oh, and then after a season, oh, I don't really, oh, it's, 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 it becomes a burden. What has happened is the host team hasn't changed. The heart has changed. I've gone from being a son to being a slave. When church becomes a burden, you've gone from being a son to having a mentality of a slave. So here we go. Here's a thought. A slave says, what I do defines who I am. A son says, who I am defines what I do. Now, please, please write this down. If you, if those who are, who want to remember, because you're going to be challenged with this. <laughs> if you walk with God, you're going to be challenged with this because our life will be continually going from "I'm a son," what I do is a privilege, who I am, knowing who I am, to "Ah, oh, I feel like I'm getting a bit negative." A slave says, what I do defines who I am. A son says, who I am defines what I do. Is serving the Lord a privilege or is it something that I have to do to please God? I have to go to church because it's going to make God happy. You're missing it. You go to church because of who the Father is. (laughs) I, I, I go to church because... I like the preaching. You're missing it. I go to church because of who the Father is. Can I hear an amen? That's actually really, really good preaching. I'm joining that church because of social. There's more people I can connect. No, no, you don't go to church for social. You you, you do that. You go to join the local crochet club for that. I don't know. But just, you don't go there for, you you go to church because you want to worship Jesus with your brothers and sisters. Church is not about me. It's not about what I need right now. It's about who He is. And then through that, what happens is who I am defines what I do because I'm a son, so now I'm going to do what I can to help others and, and to minister to others. And, and I love God, so I'm going to love somebody else. Not, and a slave says, I need to do things to define who I am. I need to be busy. I need to be on six rosters. I need to be involved with this community group and, and the parents thing at the school and this over here and the feeding the poor. And, and it's like your schedule is packed because we get our value on what I do, not the simple fact that I am a son and daughter. And church, get this, that is enough. Out of that, you can help people. Out of that, you can be involved. But unless you understand that you do that out of who you are, my son, his name's Bear. It's a weird name, I know. Oh, well, it's a great name. 
I might justify myself. Who knows? All right. He does not need to do anything. There, I'm coming in the morning. I want three smiles from you. I want a goo, like a goo whatever. And I've been teaching you how to high five, so I want to high five. Until you do that, I'm not going to talk to you. And until you do that, you can stay in your crib. Because until you do all these things for me, I'm not interested. This is the mentality the enemy is going to try and get into your head. <laughs> until you do this, until you do that, until you meet that person's expectation, you are not worth anything. What did he say to Eve in the garden? The garden was perfect. Adam and Eve were perfect. The food was awesome. And then what does the serpent say? Are you sure you're good enough, Eve? Are you sure you have enough wisdom? And he puts doubt and he basically brings this works mentality in which is, Eve, you need to do something to be valuable. I want to tell you, if you're listening to this right now, you don't need to do anything to be more valuable. All you need to do is open your arms and receive God's love. And if you're in this place and you feel like you've taken your value from what you do, it's time to recalibrate and come back to it's who I am that defines what I do. Number two, a slave says, my identity is found in what I do. A son says, my identity is found in who he is. A slave says, my identity is found in what I do. Again, you heard me say before, you go to a barbecue, hey, nice to meet you, what do you do? <laughs> Anyone had that question asked before? What do you do? It's just the way we are. It's the way society is. I tell you what, in the kingdom, it's not that. In heaven, no one's going to say to you, hey, nice to meet you, what do you do? <laughs> That's a weird question. I just be me. I'm a son and a daughter of God. I worship. I love God. I, what do I do? Hmm. What don't I just... I, I. So we have to retrain our brains to understand that your identity is not found in what you do. And the reality is this, you know this because if you lose your job, it's easy to get into a funk. Because you're like, I don't know who I am because my identity was tied with what I do. This is why it's so important. We have to have a healthy son mentality. Your identity is not found in what you do or don't do. It's found in the cross and the resurrection. It's found in who He is. It's found in the fact that He is your heavenly Father, and that is enough. The third thing is this. A slave says, I have fear today, for I don't know what tomorrow may bring. A son says, I can rest today knowing that my tomorrow is taken care of. A slave says, I have fear today for I don't know what tomorrow will bring. A son says, I can rest knowing that my tomorrow is taken care of. Listen, you don't need to be fearful when you understand that you're a son or daughter. And if you struggle with fear, I pray that you'll get a fresh revelation of being a son and daughter of God. Again, I'm going to use my son as this example. He doesn't know what fear is yet. 
It's a beautiful thing. It's actually real. He's a year old, but we know one day he has to venture out and learn his lessons. But up till now, he doesn't know what fear is because he hasn't really been hurt. You know, we get fearful because we get hurt. Do you know that? You know, fear is learnt. Love comes naturally. My son loves me. I haven't had to teach him, you know, this is what love is. He does these big juicy kisses on my cheek and you feel his little teeth and it's the best thing in the world. They're very rare. So when we get them, me and Charlotte, we will both out loud just celebrate. <laughs> he'll come up and he'll pretend he's going to give you a kiss and he'll give me a kiss right here. Boom. You're so close there. On the face is what I want. Yesterday I was at a barbecue at someone's house and, and my, my son was maybe five metres away from me with Charlie and all of a sudden I see this you know, 12-month-old spider crawling which is like legs, and no, no knees on the ground, like legs and, and hands. No, I'm not showing you. I am not strong enough. <laughs> I will rip my pants. And, he's, he's, and I'm seeing this kid a spider crawling across this towards me and I'm just and then he comes over and he arms straight up in the air pick me up daddy and it's just it was the highlight of my day he was he was sitting there with his mom he was people were with him and then he just saw me across the room and went daddy pick me up oh my goodness oh my heart oh, this isn't he has no fear he doesn't know like he doesn't know the road is dangerous. The other day we, we left him for like two minutes and we had a side gate. Where is he? He's sitting at the gate just watching the road. I said to Charlotte, we've got to be careful. That gate is shut. He doesn't know what danger is yet. And I think in life what happens is this, is fear comes in because we get hurt. We go through things. People hurt us. We hurt ourselves. All these things. We have to understand a slave has fear, but a son loses their fear because they are secure in knowing that the Heavenly Father has them. Can I hear an amen? Because <laughs> that's amazing. And the Bible tells us, doesn't it? It says, perfect love drives out fear. So we're living in this pandemic of fear. We talk about COVID, but you look at fear. Fear is everywhere. Anxiety, stress, worry. External forces come in and get into us sometimes and it makes us fearful and this morning I believe the Father wants you to know that as a child of God you don't need to carry fear you see when Jesus died on the cross and rose again he defeated fear he defeated the let me ask you this question is there is there fear in heaven is there worry in heaven well so that's our normal yeah so there's all these studies now about how fear how worry will actually break down your body. We are not physically made to carry long-term fear. <laughs> You're not made to carry long-term stress. So why? It's a good example of we're called to live lives that are free, that are light, that are happy. But the only way you can get there is not by getting more money. The way we get there is by knowing who we are in the Father. A son says, I'm fearful because I don't know what tomorrow will bring. But a son says, I can rest. I know that my tomorrow is taken care of. 
I know it's going to be okay. Even if I can't see it right now today, I know I can rest. And you know what? Fruitfulness comes from rest. Your most fruitful days will be coming from a place of rest. Another subject, another thing, but just to take that to the bank with you. Number four, is this okay? A son says this, I have no authority. Sorry, a slave says this, I have no authority. And a son says, I rest knowing the power of the family name. How cool is that? A slave says, I have no authority. A son knows their family name. When you know your family name, you know you... The Bible tells us, doesn't it, that we actually come from a line of royalty through Jesus. That we are royalty. If you're a Christian here and, 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 and if you're not, hey, at the end of today, become a Christian. But those who are Christians here understand this. When you have the blood of Jesus covering your sin through the cross, you are now, you have royal blood. <laughs> and that's so amazing. A slave has no authority. They have no say. They go through life under bondage, under chains. They, but a son, they rest knowing the family name. All these could be sermons in themselves, I know, but just, just think about that with me. Do you know your family name? Your natural family might have a bad family name. Maybe your history isn't the best, or maybe you come from a prestigious family name. I don't really know. But I know this, is that the heavenly fa- our Heavenly Father enables us to now rest in His name. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. Number five. A sl- there's only one more after this. A slave says, I must strive to be fruitful A son says, I am fruitful from a place of rest. Have you ever found yourself striving to please God? I remember when I was younger and I I heard about some preacher who spent, I think it was six hours a day in prayer. And they had this massive church. And I remember thinking, as, as a really young person, probably early teens, thinking, I need to pray six hours a day. If I'm going to see anything be used by God, I need to pray and read the Bible for six hours plus a day. And then I realised over time as I grew up in, you know, in my faith, God isn't impressed with six hours a day. He just wants your heart. So you can be out mowing the lawn, worshipping the Lord, and it's just as powerful as being in your room worshipping the Lord. It's a condition and a posture of the heart. <laughs> and, I, and I meet this, um, to be honest, in the church all the time, where there's people, they're striving to be fruitful. They're striving, they're pushing, they're... You've got to understand, your most fruitful days will come from a place of rest. I'm not saying don't do anything. Still be involved. But understand fruitfulness comes from the Father. The Bible says, if I'm connected to the vine, fruitfulness will come. So what's my responsibility? It's to be connected to the vine and then it's his responsibility to cause fruit to flourish. As much as I can hold my breath and I can't produce fruit, fruit comes naturally. 
A slave says, I must strive to produce fruit. And I see this, I've seen this over the years. And again, I use the context of a local church where there's people and they feel like they're going to be on 20 different rosters. They feel like they're going to please God, they're going to do all this stuff and they're striving. And they think it's because, hey, I just, you know, deep down it's because they're trying to find value. No, your value doesn't come from what you do. Your value doesn't come, your fruitfulness doesn't come from your striving. It comes from knowing who God is. How good is that? The more you know who God is, the more restful you become. The days that I am the most stressed are the days that I have forgotten God the most. Anyone else find that? (laughs) It's hard for me to be stressed when I'm in God's presence. When I'm in God and I can sense Him and His love and I'm in worship and and, and it's like, oh, why am I stressed for? God's got it. He promises if He looks after the birds of the air, He will look after me. Again, the holiday bird watching saga continues. If you've been in our church, you'll know that this year, every morning we sit at the back and we chuck out bits of bread and we watch which birds come. And every time a bird comes to eat the bread, my son goes, eee, because he loves birds so much. And the lorikeets are the bullies. They pick on the magpies and they pick on the other birds and they pick on each other. Are there any bird fans in the house? Hey, I used to think bird watching was so boring and now I'm loving it. I must be getting older, more mature in my perspective of the world. <laughs> Did I tell you there was a new bird that we found that came and my wife told me that it was like a murder bird or something? I can't remember the name of it. A butcher bird. I was like, it doesn't look like Joey that much. Like, it's a butcher bird. (laughs) And she said, yeah, the butcher bird kills other birds. How bad's that? Side note. I'm still waiting for the eagle to come and land in my backyard. Although I don't think they eat sourdough bread. I don't know what they eat, really. (laughs) A piece of steak out there. If God can look after the birds, He can look after you and me. Last point is this, before we finish. A slave says, I know God from a distance. A son says, I walk in intimacy with my heavenly father. A slave says, I know God from a distance. But a son says, I walk in intimacy. How well do you know God? How close are you to the heart of God? It's easy for us to know of someone or meet them a couple of times and then be like, oh yeah, I know that person. No, you don't know them. You just met them. To walk in intimacy with someone, to walk in close proximity, to have a deep and personal relationship is something so precious 
one of my prayers in life is, God, let me, I want to see my son get married and have kids. It's a bit of a morbid prayer maybe, but it's one of my prayers. I'm like, God, I just want to, I want to live old enough to see my son get married and have his own kids. Why? Because I want to be so close in my family, with my family, that I get to be a part of those special moments. And I know what it's like. I've been in church my whole life. I've been in church since, oh, since I was a week old probably. And I know what it's like to come to church and to sing songs, but in my heart be far from God. And I know what it's like to read the Scripture at home, but in my heart be far from Him. And I know what it's like to say the right things and to look outwardly like I've got it all together, but inwardly be running even or being far or distant from my Heavenly Father. I know the weight that that puts on me. Even as a pastor, it's easy for me to walk in distance from God. I have to make sure I walk in intimacy with God. A slave says, I know my master, but a slave always has distance. A slave isn't invited into the inner sanctuary. He's not invited to the family table. They have their own table. Away, they get the scraps. But a son or a daughter of the house have a spot at the table. And a slave says, I, I know the master from a distance, but a son says, no, no, I am close. I am so close. I hear his, when he speaks softly, I'm close enough to hear it. <laughs> and you know that through Jesus, through the cross and through the resurrection, we all have that access. And God won't ever force you to be that close with Him. He will say, it's your choice. Because if it wasn't a choice, then it wouldn't be real. You have to have the choice of close relationship. You know, there's some people you meet, and there's not many like this in my experience, but some people, they just start talking and you can hear God. You can hear that they've spent time with God. And they might be talking about the footy, but you can still sense there's something more to this person. It's because they have a close, intimate walk with God. You know, the Bible says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. And the promise with that is this, it's unlimited. You get as close as you want. So I encourage you, get as close as you can. In the Old Testament, there was someone who was so close to God the Bible says he didn't even die. God just said, I just want you to come and hang out with me. And he took him. Imagine being that close to God. The Bible says that Moses talked to God as one person speaks to his friend. I'm going to finish in a moment, but get this. It says that Moses spoke to God so closely, face to face, that when Moses came down from talking with God, his face was so bright, he had to cover it so that He didn't blind people with a brightness. Imagine if someone walked in this room today and they were shiny face. 
I can't see through that. I can't, it's so bright. Because they had spent time face to face with God. Hey, the promise of God is this. You have that access. It's up to you. So as we conclude, here's some questions to ask yourself. What defines you today? What you do or who you are? Where do you get your identity from? What you do or who He is? Do you have fear today about tomorrow or are you rested? Do you feel like you have no authority or do you know the power of His name? Do you feel like you're striving or do you feel like you're rested? Do you know God from a distance or are you walking closely with Him? Why don't we close our eyes as we finish? Thank you, Father God. And I encourage everyone to have their eyes closed for this moment, just because it's privacy for the person around you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. If in this place you know that either you don't know the heavenly, your Heavenly Father or you know Him from a distance, today is the day to make sure you know Him closely. And whether you've never made a decision when it comes to that or whether you have but you know your heart has wandered, Today is the day on Easter Sunday to experience the joy of sonship again. And right now as you're sitting there, I'm going to give you a chance to respond and say, you know what, if, if that's you, to say, Benaiah, I, I want to make sure either that for the first time I'm giving my heart to God, I'm giving my life to Him. I want to be a son, not a slave. I know, I'm no longer a slave to sin. I want to be a child of God. Or you know your heart has gone back to that. You've lost the joy of sonship. And God says today, come back. Come back from slavehood to sonship. If that's you in this place, well, everyone has their eyes closed. Why don't you put your hand up and say, yeah, that's me. Awesome. Anybody else? You put it high. Awesome. Up the back up there. Awesome. Anybody else? How close are you to the Father today? If you need to draw near, draw near. Anybody else in this place? Awesome down there. Make sure your heart is right with Christ. I implore you with all my heart, don't let pride hold you back. Make a decision that would change the rest of your destiny. Anybody else? Let's pray this prayer together. It's a prayer of commitment. And if you didn't put your hand up, you know you should have. Pray from your heart. Pray, Heavenly Father, I thank You. Let's, let's, let's pray with confidence. I thank You for sending Your Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sin. And on this Easter Sunday, 
through the love of Jesus, I ask that You would forgive me of my sin, that You would help me, and that Jesus, You would be my Lord and Saviour. Help me to be a son, not a slave. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Keep, keep your eyes closed for a moment longer. I just, I'm not going to ask for a response in this moment. But just internally, just ask yourself, am I a son in my heart, my mentality, or have I become a slave? And I just, I just want to give you a moment just to, just to readjust your heart. You might, have, you might have been in church for 20, 30, 40 years and you know right now that, that slave mentality has crept in a bit. I, right now, I just encourage you, recommit yourself as a son. Repent to the slave type mentality. Humble your heart in this moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.